Fake news, then fake news. I'm sick of all this fake news. Cause fake news makes fake truths. And fake truths make fake news. Fake news, then fake news. Hey everyone. Welcome to Zero Hour Talks. I'm your host, Kayla, the Director of Operations of Zero Hour. I'm coming from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I'm also a couple minutes away from the locations of our protests. So um, I've been having like some police officers run through my neighborhood daily for the past few days. Some of them are like giving gifts to kids for their PR campaigns. Wow. And, uh, and I'm Yolian. I am a member of Zero Hour Operations team. Um, and I am coming from the Dallas, Texas area. I'm also relatively close to the protests. So I definitely feel that heightened anxiety just even being around everything. So it's a lot for sure. Zero Hour Talks is where we take a moment to break down the climate justice movement. Um, But today we're talking about very recent events regarding the death of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Tony McDad, and so many more Black people who have died at the hands of police brutality. In this episode, we're showing ways that you can actually partake in making a difference in the Black Lives Matter movement and also breaking down what this moment really signifies for us. And so, Yolian, like, if you want to start us off talking about what's happening, um, what the relevance is to this conversation. It was around the first week of May that we saw the incredibly violent footage of a vigilante murder of a Black jogger named Ahmad Arbery, who was literally stalked and killed by three white men. Um, and that, you know, had a lot of outrage. Even celebrities were talking about it. But it looked like that wasn't enough because then on May 25th, we had George Floyd, a black man in South Minneapolis, um, murdered in broad daylight by a group of police officers. On top of that, we had Breonna Taylor, a black woman in Louisville, Kentucky, who was shot to death about eight times in her own bed. Um, Police officers showed up in the wrong home in the wrong neighborhood, framed her for being a drug trafficker um, while she was being an essential worker and providing for this country. And lastly, but definitely not the only one, Tony McDad, a Black trans man, who was also shot to death by a police officer Wednesday morning in Tallahassee, Florida. That is just the tip of the iceberg in the amount of murders that have happened at the hands of police in our country to Black people. Definitely that for hundreds, thousands mm, of people who mm -hmm. have been brutalized by a system designed to do exactly what it's been doing now exactly um after slavery was made illegal by the united states Mm -hmm. white supremacists responded to that by creating slave patrols which eventually evolved into our police system and so what slave patrols did was catch runaway slaves literally jailed them and even now, there are more people who are who are being incarcerated than there were slaves. Jeez, that's like incredible. that's that's absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. And so that's to say, like, and if you want to chip in on this too, Yolian, mm-hmm. like the system has never intended to actually protect and serve black people. It's right. intended to torture us and to put us in our place. Even if that's six feet under. Exactly. Even if that's isolated for decades. Mm, right. 
it's so interesting with the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, all of the, I think the conversations and discourse around what's going on recently. And I just have to, I guess I'd have to take a minute to myself and keep reminding myself that, and ask myself, I guess, why do we have to constantly prove our humanity to this country, to its leaders, to the police? And, and to Kayla's point, right, it was never made for us. It was never made. Protect and serve were words not for Black people at all. It never was. And so I think that I have stopped with the whole disbelief and surprise and, and awe at the fact that police are killing us when that is what they have been instructed to do, whether or not that has been instructed explicitly, but that is inherently a part of the system. And I think that's how we kind of want to get into this conversation about what does it mean to be a good cop, right? Um, there's been a lot of videos around of cops kneeling with the protesters, of you know having these really heartfelt speeches. And I just, I have to look at these things with a grain of salt because I realized one, let's get things straight. There's no such thing as a good cop. Exactly. Right? There are people that come into this system with good intentions. Like a lot of us, we come into these systems and we grow up and we're like, we want to change the system from within. But there comes to a time when you realize it's physically not possible to do that. And I think we're getting to that point as a nation where we're we're seeing these videos of these cops kneeling and then an hour later, them tear gassing protesters, them shooting at protesters. And so people are like, wake up. This yeah. isn't, this is all a ruse. Cops are trained to lie. And, and, and I think people are asking, okay, then what do we do about the cops that do have good intentions and that, that want to see change? And a lot of people would said, then resign if you're really about it, be a traitor yeah. and join us. And so I think that that's, an interesting conversation that's going to go into what does it mean to have a revolution and yeah I want to add on to your bit about like how one cop cannot change the system mm -hmm. because white supremacy because a system that was designed to torture black people to torture brown people indigenous right. people right. took generations to build right and it's not going to change with one copy like oh yeah I'm gonna go inside here I'm gonna do my best I'm gonna right. watch my fellow cops kill black people but you know what I can do the I can do a good job mm, I can right. do a good job exactly. it'll take generations just as many generations to build a system that opposes that right and so right. that takes everyone that takes cops being willing to protest their fellow cops and their mm -hmm. their co-workers Mm -hmm. And it takes them willing to actually step in with this movement and be like, the system is inherently flawed and evil. Right. And we have to create some sort of some sort of restorative justice, something that actually mm -hmm. understands the concept of harm and understands the concept of healing right. instead of immediately pointing to punishment as the first punitive like measure against harm, essentially. And it's possible. It's possible because, like, we've seen this. We've mm -hmm. seen people who have not had policing. Yep. Um, we've seen that there is a precedent. There is a possibility for us to have a system that's actually caring for people. Mm -hmm. That's actually, like, turning towards resources. Because the safest communities are not the communities with the most policing. The safest communities have the most resources. 
That's a really great point, Kayla. Um, and I think that that's something that we need to hold on to as we start thinking of possible solutions. And But before we get there, I think that we do need to talk a little bit about the state of our country, um, what a lot of people are calling is an uprising, a revolution, a rebellion. To you, Kayla, what do you think the circumstances, why do you think the circumstances are so I think, perfect for mass protests, considering everything, COVID and all. As a climate activist, um, I have seen a lot of us, like, trying to have mass protests that look like this, and we haven't been able to do that. I think that, one, having so many people unemployed is why people are down to come out and actually challenge the system. We've seen that they're not willing to properly support us during times of like a pandemic. The United States gave us one check of twelve hundred dollars mm. to last through one month. Right. Not like, even. Not even. <laughs> they're not providing our hospitals with the proper resources to take care of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the middle of an economic depression. Right. We are in the middle of a climate crisis. We're in the middle of so many other crises that now that people don't have jobs, they're like, hell yeah, we're going to totally come face to face with a system that is continuously denying us life. And the economy is so, so tied to mass like revolutions, I think. Mm. That's also why this is allowing us to really turn up. Oh, no, right. I I completely agree. Um, I also think that to your point, Kayla, you know how there, I guess, are just so many issues going on at the same time that COVID has particularly shown um, how much this country has not been prepared to, not even prepared but has willingly not decided to serve its own people um, in the capacity that it can serve its own people. I remember, I think as I'm really kind of looking in the past and I'm reading a lot more from revolutionaries, from freedom fighters in the years past, and a lot of them say that when you get to this point of revolution, right, it's because you have literally been so numb to all these injustices. And when it all hits you at once, you realize you have nothing left to lose. There are people in these streets now protesting that are unemployed, don't have jobs, don't have healthcare, could literally get COVID at any minute, but they are out there because they recognize that they would rather die a murder or even in the name of freedom, justice, and liberation than anything else. That's how you know that we've we're at a breaking point. I think we really, really are in the revolution of our generation. Mm-hmm. I think that we need to sustain this energy. Um, yes. Not exactly in the forms of rioting every day for months. Right. Because that is going to exhaust people. Exactly. Um, we do need to maintain this and then eventually turn into organizing that does help out with some long-term goals mm, but yeah totally. like people are tired people have nothing to lose mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're over it have and nothing I, to lose totally and i think oh, there's a lot of mainstream discourse about how like oh this is bloody this is violent rioters are the ones that are violent things like that and i think that when we examine revolution, I have been challenged to think about revolution by the principle of it, by the what, why are we even at this point, rather than what the means are and like what it actually takes to revolt. I 
don't think anything of the violence, right? Because that is a byproduct of state violence. That is a byproduct of the violence that has been inflicted to our people for generations. So when people ask, well, why are you being violent? Why are you succumbing to the violence? I really think those people don't understand what Black people have gone through in this country, truly. So that's why I challenge folks to not blame protesters and victims of state violence because they have been through it. We have been through exactly. it. Exactly. That's just unfair. I don't know. I, I saw a tweet earlier that was saying that every right that we enjoy in our Black lives is because people rioted. I'm not a slave right now because my ancestors rioted against slavery. We don't live in the Jim Crow era because my ancestors rioted. Mm -hmm. So if this is what it takes to actually make sure that like our people like don't have to go through this, Black people have every single right Mm -hmm. they have to be angry because we would not be angry if this, if the state did not respond to us asking for liberation with Mm -hmm. violence. They right. are continuously and, and intentionally sanctioning violence against us in mm-hmm. order to keep us in our place. And that place is away from any sort of like privilege of owning liberation and owning mm. like what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. This is also like additionally why we need to challenge. This is only about George Floyd. This is only right. about the countless other like black men and women who have died at the hands of police. Because this is about a system that is engaging in that violence and that is condoning and encouraging that violence against us. Right. So this does not stop. This is not stop if George Floyd's murderers are arrested. Mm-hmm. Because we need to challenge the system that is incarcerating Black folks for being Black. And we need to challenge a system that uses the prison industrial complex as a system of justice we right. challenge our system of justice mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> no that was that was facts I'm just like really resonating with a lot of what you just said and and I think that goes perfectly into the point of like this is exactly why no one has any right to police how black people are supposed to process or fight oppression and it is incredibly frustrating to have a lot of our white and non-black counterparts really on social media using and weaponizing a lot of MLK quotes and things to talk about why we shouldn't go about the solution and 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 giving us solutions to prop to their problems, right? I'm sitting here saying we are dying. We are going through it. We need these particular solutions and we'll talk about that in a moment. And we're having people come at us telling us that we're wrong. That is beyond disrespectful. I just, I don't even know what to say about that. My God, I have something to say about that. I have also seen that same thing. And if you're trying to tell Black folks how to process anti-centuries of anti-Black oppression, Mm -hmm. then frankly... Like, in the most disrespectful way, like, you would not have actually been helping out MLK. You would have not been supportive of Rosa Parks. You Mm. would have not been on our side, ever. Because MLK was the most hated man in his time. Right. Okay? And you Mm -hmm. want to, to repost and, like, share his sayings of like yeah yeah we we peaceful or whatever I have a dream or whatever right but the state 
assassinated MLK. Exactly. Like, look at look at the notes from the counterintelligence program where they had campaigns to break down the Black Panthers Party. They had campaigns to turn um like the Nation of Islam against against M- um, Malcolm X. And they assassinated MLK. For our non-black folks and white folks to be like, ah ha ha, but the property damage, like y'all black people have to calm down. Sick. Y'all are doing too much. Sick. Just like honestly, just find your lane. Mm. In it. Don't try to fake no. your solidarity with me because you're not on my side right now. Exactly. Like straight and, up. No, right. And if you think about it, right, because I have a very weird relationship with the word ally um just because I have it's been proven to me time and time again allyship to me is really difficult something that a lot of people aren't really committed to as much as they call themselves allies and if you notice the 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 non-black folks and white folks I guess that are actually accomplices and in solidarity with us are the ones that aren't speaking and the ones that are doing the work without talking (laughs) They're the ones there. They're the ones protecting us in the ways that they can. They're the ones standing with us in the ways that they can. They're the ones effectively being grace traders. But we have the rest of these fake woke people blowing up our timelines, but they're not doing anything. So it's like, you have no room to talk. People love any type of solidarity that requires mm. the least effort <gasps> throwing themselves out there. Please. Let's talk about those black squares. Mm. <laughs> so recently there was this blackout Tuesday. The intent was to silence any content that wasn't supportive of like the resources that are being shared right now. Everyone coincidentally misinterpreted that and put up black squares with hashtag Black Lives Matter as their comment. And so what ended up happening was that all the resources, all the news that was coming in was totally blacked out. And if you want to talk about, you know, Leon, how corporate media is just not supportive of like us actually finding out like what is real, go off if you can. No, yeah, that I literally have friends that are dedicating hours of their time every day to be adding these media outlets like these companies and everyone and exposing these people I don't know if anyone has been familiar with the whole this you trend because that is popping off people are really taking this time to expose folks but specifically about corporate media um American media in and of itself is monopolized, right? There's only like a few people that actually own the media. And so what they really say goes, and what's happening is, is that every single media outlet is given the same exact thing to say, and they're not even hiding it anymore. It's literally the exact same wording, um, whatever channel you turn on. And on top of that, I even have like my parents who are on Facebook or just watch the news seeing the violence and protester and protests and this rebellion from a completely different lens than I am as someone on Twitter. Why is that, right? Because if we, if our corporate media outlets are really about that action and want to portray what's going on in the most honest sense, then what I'm seeing on Twitter and what my parents are seeing on the news should be the exact same, but it is not. They are seeing it as 
the people protesting are the rioters, the people the protesting are the antagonizers, are the ones that are these thugs or horrible people looting, all of the things. Um, whereas Twitter is showing us that, or not even necessarily Twitter as the platform, it's just people are using Twitter as a means to post videos of them on the ground. And these videos in and of itself is incredibly heartbreaking. I, for one, have not even bothered to look on CNN, Fox, Fox, absolutely not, MSNBC, but like any of these news outlets, because I am afraid that I'm going to see something that is completely wrong. It's really sad that it that it that's what's happening, um, which is why I can't get off Twitter. So <laughs> that's yeah, my. Take. I have been on Twitter like. 24 7 just consuming like knowledge that is really constantly traumatizing for one mm, right um the media really is just using the word thugs very lightly right. and i don't know if they know that's definitely a racist dog whistle that everyone knows is yeah. racist to be clear just a little advice um I wanted us to pivot our conversation towards like what is really helping people on the ground what is necessary to walk out of this having and enjoying like liberation yeah and and you know that can look like a lot of things especially because um a lot of what we're asking for in terms of complete and total liberation cannot be cannot be had instantly, unfortunately. These systems have been put in place for, as you said, Kayla, generations, and it's going to take just as long to dismantle and rebuild, unfortunately. But what we can do are take these small steps towards total liberation, right? And I think a good point to bring up is the concept of mutual aid. That has been extremely powerful during this time of not only COVID, but also, you know, fighting against active state and racial violence. If we see what's going on in Minnesota, and this is being replicated all over the country, we are having funds set up and in ways that we've never seen before. People are trusting people that they have never even met and saying, I am putting my life on the line for you. And I think that that's incredible. And then the ways that they're doing it is they're donating to each other constantly, getting supplies. Um, They're setting up these funds, bail funds, which is a problem in and of itself, right? But we're using what we do have to make sure we got our people um, and we're taking care of each other as much as possible. So I, for one, was at a protest this past weekend in Dallas. And obviously before the police started coming in and, you know, tear gassing us, shooting at us and all of these horrible and speakable things, it was an incredible moment of, um, solidarity with everyone. Um, There were people I've never met before, but we had each other's backs. That is a conversation we need to go in. That's the direction we need to go in and and define what community care looks like. So mutual aid, I think, is incredible. I also think we need to talk about defunding the police too, but... Listen, (laughs) I think that defunding the police is a really strong way to divest our communities away from unnecessary presence of police officers in our communities. We really need to understand, like, just like question yourselves, what would it look like if there were, there was money being put towards resources that could actually help us? This means instead of spending millions of dollars 
into police officers and their training, getting body cameras that they don't use. Mm -hmm. What about giving hospitals that money? What about like actually providing housing to people who need that? Um, I don't know if you heard that, but a car just beat <laughs> down my neighborhood. Um, <laughs> um, we need to make sure that kids actually have education that is useful, that college is accessible and right. free. Mm-hmm. We have money in our budget to do those things, but we're not doing it because our police needs to be as prepared as our military. Also, the military is another thing that needs to be defunded because they're Period. kind of one on the same. Mm-hmm. But the reason that these steps need to be taken is because we have been trying to fix our system from the inside for so, so long. Mm-hmm. And compromising the lives of a few is not the move i'm sorry but it's not liberation if 72 percent are safe please go (laughs) off because (laughs) i don't know if people have seen this eight point plan that has been posted by a lot of people that uh, identify with the establishment in our country but it's essentially like a few Uh, tactics that they're advising mayors and police chiefs to do in order to minimize police violence by supposedly 72%, right? It encourages making rules like banning chokeholds or strangleholds, um, certain things like that. I think people are missing like one fundamental issue here, and that is the police don't follow any rules. Because if that was the case, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation in the first place. Y'all can see it now with the protests. Tear gas is illegal. Why is it being used on protesters? That is a war crime outside of this country. Harming street medics? Harming street medics is also a war crime. Exactly. So I'm sitting here baffled at the idea that we need to provide more rules to the police and fund more trainings for the police as if none of this has ever been conceptualized before, as if none of this has been tried before. And I think that that's a slap in the face to those who have been on the ground for Ferguson. That's a slap in the face for those who have been rioting um, in LA in the 90s. You know, There are so many folks that have been committed to this work before us and have told us straight up, this is not going to work. I am begging you, right? So I think that it is all on us to not pay attention to mainstream ideologies like this, right? Do the work yourself. Unlearn these things um, and, and really start honing in on the people who have actually been a part of this movement long before we have. Because that's really that's the really direction we need to be going in. A lot of people are like, we need police reform now. And Kayla, you made several great points before. I just wanted to add that that, if you think about it, is inherently anti-Black, right? Because you, what you are doing by saying that reform is a good thing and that we need to be reforming these systems is that you're saying that we it is possible to reform slavery. It is possible to reform in all of these institutional issues that are embedded in this country, right? I just, I don't really mess with that word anymore at all. And 
as the great Mariam Kava says, who's an incredible prison abolitionist. She, oh man, I have learned so much from her. her. And what she said is, let this moment radicalize you. Do not go into despair. And that is the wave. That is the mood, y'all. Yes. Let this moment radicalize us. Exactly. Period. Mm -hmm. Um, To sum up this conversation, we need to change the material conditions of people on the ground right now. And that is not going to happen if we continue to depend on the system to change that because their goal is to maintain a system that is murdering people. You can't change that if that's been their their goal for centuries. So we talked about the history of policing, how they came up. We talked about countless people who have died at the hands of police, what it really means to solve this, um, listening to people who have been in this movement for years. This conversation has been, you know, really short. We can't get all that we need to do in a couple minutes, but I'm really hopeful that this helped us like challenge that system in a way that is helpful to listeners. Lying and living is not a regret. Turning my TV off, going to bed, thinking about all the things that I just heard. Huh, man, that's full of birds. Meditate, get our heads straight. Ain't no time to procrastinate, cause if we do, it might be the last time we ever do. Hello, everyone. My name is Cameron Wede, also known as Cameronino. I'm a musician from Los Angeles, California. My connection with Zero Hour is that I made an EP dedicated to helping global awareness about the position that we are in globally. And I feel that it's a very important topic that we don't really talk about a lot. But um, the matter of today right now is um, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that has been going on ever since George Floyd's death. We, as a people, need to understand one another. And it's not fair for any one of us to be discriminated against any one of us. We, as um, human beings, need to understand each other really comprehend the differences between each other because that's where the base of all problems to me comes from. Just not understanding each other, thinking that we're different in some sort of aspect, which I don't understand at all. Each one of us has the same potential in my opinion to be as great as one person can be. And so behind this George Floyd's death, um, there has been many other cases of police brutality against black people that has been showcased over many, many years and is rooted deep within the American system. Uh, Racism has been around for more years than I can even count at this point. All of us know that. But for me, as a Generation Z person, I grew up with Obama as my president. I didn't even know that he was the first Black president until everyone brought it to me. It was just natural. And um, I really have to deal with racism as much as other people would have before Obama was president. And I don't even think that I really recognized the problem with racism until 2016. And that's when it really came into my eyes as something serious and something as a, that's a real problem. I've heard about different cases, of course, even during the Obama period of people who were shot, who were killed and different racist acts that happened against black people. As a kid, I never saw this as something humongous. I was immature back then. And the only real racism that I learned was basically off the internet or history books. Now, when I look at all the different things that are happening now with all these protests 
people looting, which I believe is completely wrong. No one should be looting. It doesn't help any cause. All it does is create extra turmoil in our lives. But it hurts to have to be scared of um, walking outside your door these days. Um, my parents were always scared. My mom is from the ghetto of um, Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania. And she always had to deal with racism herself in her life. She got out of there to protect me from it and to make sure that I was able to be raised around a very privileged name, which I'm very lucky to have in my life. And I went to a great elementary school, great middle school, great high school. Even back in elementary school, I mean, like, I was basically the only Black kid there. I was in a privileged neighborhood. And uh, as the only Black kid there, even then, I knew I was different, but I didn't notice it because the kids there were raised, raised so properly compared to what it was back then when everything was segregated. I feel like I'm getting a little off topic, but for me, the main problem right now is police brutality. No, racism is not, to me, something not something that's going to be fixed in the snap. It's, it's going to be there. Like Everyone has different stereotypes, but having racist cops or officers that have the power to kill any Black person on site is never acceptable. That should not be a thing. I don't understand how we don't have any type of test that can stop this from happening. So when I see the protests happening, these the rioting, the looting, I can't fully get mad at the fact that we're not peacefully protesting. And this is my honest opinion. Now that people are rioting and people are protesting and people are going up against cops, it's gonna make a difference somehow. I feel that it really is gonna make a change because there's no way that the government is going to be able to say, oh, well, this happened. Well, we're not gonna change anything. That's impossible. They can never let this happen to society again. People are boarding up. People are scared. People are living in literal fear. There's going to have to be a change within the system somewhere that's going to prevent racism to a certain point. And regarding the looting and all the rioting, we, I don't know if it's true or not, of course, but I believe it's true. There are people paid to start rioting and to start riots, start looting. There's people that are paid to do this. It's all to make protesters look bad. I truly do believe that from the bottom of my heart because I believe there are peaceful protesters that are really there to protest in their own way. And there are people who are mad, so they do start riots, but there's also people that are paid to start riots. So it's very hard. This is where it gets very tricky for me because now it's it draws from racism because now it's becoming just a bunch of conspiracy theories of who's doing what. Uh, who's going to do what. But the biggest point is racism and how do we solve the problems that we are in nowadays. Ever since I was a kid, it's always been a dream of mine to not even see color in a sense. When I say this, there's more goods to being different than there are negatives. It's so healthy to go to somebody else's culture and enrich your life in it. You learn so many different things. You learn something new about a person, something you would never known before if you hadn't at least tried not to stereotype that person for being that person. And of course, there are dangerous people out there that make a bad name, but we have to see past that at some point. I'm going to say this now, though. Um, I stand fully and completely 
with the protesters. I, as much as we can say there's good cause, and I truly do believe that there is good cause, and I don't see anything wrong with what the good cause, but of course the racist cops are gonna overshadow the good cause. And it's going to show how corrupt some things are. And regardless if you're a good cop or not, I can't stand by police officers at this point in time. It's unacceptable that police officers who should be serving and protecting the people are killing us. And what is, if you're a police officer, there was a case a few years ago about a black man that got shot uh, in the car with uh, his woman and her baby. The officer's reason, the black man told the officer, I have a legal gun. When the officer told him to get his license and registration, I believe it was, he went for the glove compartment. He got shot because the officer said he was scared for his life. It's unacceptable. As a police officer, your job is to protect us. If you're a police officer and you're scared for your own life before the citizen's life, don't be a police officer. Be a citizen. It's that easy. Be a bystander. Don't be a police officer if you're not going to protect and serve us. Your first duty before anything is to, like I said, protect and serve us. And the fact that you're scared for your life before you're scared for the person that you're supposed to protect's life, and you'd rather save your own life, then that means you're just not a police officer to me. You're not. There's no way there, if you're a real police officer, you will risk your life to save the citizens of, of our country. Like that's, that makes sense to me. You will save the citizens of California. Oh, man. You'll save, you would rather save the citizens of the different states than to kill them because you're scared that they're a threat to you. That is an unacceptable, unacceptable fact. I don't understand why, if we're protesting that, if an officer hits somebody first, they don't get charged for it. Let's just, we're just, I'm just talking about a protest. Nothing, let's not even talk about racism right now, but just the protest. If an officer hits a person first, they don't get charged for it. They can say that the person was threatening them, which is crazy to me personally. It's literally insane. The officer hits the person first, but then if the person hits the officer, it's a crime. How? Is it a crime? If you feel threatened, if the officer feels threatened of us, then we probably feel double threatened. Multiply the amount of threat that an officer feels towards us and then multiply that, that's us. If we go out to protest against the officer, we feel very threatened. And so protecting ourselves should not be a crime at all, ever. If it's really protecting and it's self-defense, and if I feel threatened by an officer, I don't understand how that's an actual crime that I can be charged for ever. I, protecting myself should never be a crime. <sighs> Regarding this whole George Floyd case, which rest in peace to George Floyd and the others that came before him, I honestly just don't believe that even after so many years that stuff like this happens. Like Maybe other people are used to it. Other people already know this, but as a Generation C person, to me, this is pretty new. I've known about it and I've been aware about it, but I've really never seen it like this in my life. And it's so crazy to me that we haven't gotten past these things yet. Like it still happens. The things that happen to black people are just modern day lynching. There's no difference to me. It's not acceptable to have this happen and it should never be acceptable. As a musician, I 
put all my feelings into my music. That's how I personally, how I get my feelings out. And regarding the looting and all that, and who really started it, I made a song called Fake News. This song, Fake News, to me, was the definition of like what's going on with all these conspiracy theories, what's going on, what's the government doing, what are we doing to help out? Fake news was basically my vision of how I see everything. Um, I'm fully with the protesters. I'm fully with change. We need this to happen. We need change as humanity. Thank you. I've been looking for the light. It ain't looking too bright. Oh. I've been searching for the truth, I don't know where to So I'm Kayla from Zero Hour Talks. Definitely keep listening. We're really trying to provide like helpful political education, which is necessary in moments like this, necessary in moments like that we can't even see yet. And if you would like to continue to provide two projects like this, there are mutual aid funds that are going around to find like your local mutual aid funds, find local groups who are doing this work. Also donate to Zero Hour if you would like us to continue doing this work. Thanks so much to Kayla for um, even having me on. I think that this was a great conversation. And like she said, I think that while this was short, this is just the start. This should challenge everyone that's listening to read, look at, you know, sources more. Um, don't don't just read the bylines of things anymore. Let's let's get straight into the meat of the problem. I'm just really, really excited. And like I said earlier, I'm letting this moment radicalize me. And I hope that that does the same to you because we have a long ways to go towards the dismantlement of these oppressive systems, but it all starts with being educated. And I'm doing my part and I hope that everyone does theirs. Racial justice is climate justice. Oh, period. Yeah, <laughs> we're not free till all of us are free. Yes, oh, love that, um, for sure. And that's it. We are produced by the amazing Goal 17, so definitely check them out and check their workout. Fake news, then fake news. I'm sick of all this fake news. Cause fake news make fake truths, and fake truths make fake news. <laughs>